We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Take a good look at your future freshman. Welcome to college. Yeah, baby! Richard Linklater brought you the 70s. Two rules. No booze in this house. Go! Go! With dazed and confused. Number two, no girls in those bedrooms. Now he brings you the 80s. Have you noticed everything around here is a competition? 2017! 17 point. Is that better? No, I'm scared now. College is the greatest. Everybody wants some. Rated R. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. little quick housekeeping today. Hope everyone enjoyed last week's episode talking Happy Gilmore with guest Wes Blankenship. It is a fitting episode for Masters Week. Uh, I am obviously re- I'm recording this episode before the Masters, but I'm hoping my Jordan Spieth pick paid out. Uh, if this is your first episode of Big Screen Sports, go back, check out that one, check out any of our 100-plus episodes at this point. They're all evergreen, covering your favorite and sometimes your least favorite sports movies. Also, if you enjoy this podcast and have five minutes to spare, I have put a Google survey in the show notes of this pod. You would be doing me an absolute solid by filling that out. Let me know what you think. Uh, Just as you'd be doing me a solid leaving a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or telling a friend about this podcast. Now, if you haven't noticed, baseball season has started. We have finally reached a season where the Twins are going to win the World Series. And to celebrate... Had to cover a baseball movie. I am very excited to welcome on today's guest, someone whose baseball and movie takes I've admired from afar on Twitter for a long time. He is a staff writer for NBC Sports, Chris Crawford. Chris, thanks so much for joining Big Screen Sports. Kyle, thank you so much for having me. I I have been an admirer from, I guess, kind of far. I I mean, not like super far, but I'm an admirer to say say the least. And... uh, Without spoiling it, I am very, very glad that you picked me for this movie. We are both big-time admirers of this movie. Before we get into it, uh, tell the folks where they can find you on social media, where they can check out your work, what you have coming up. Sure. Uh, I am at Twitter, uh, under at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. I apologize for the puns in advance if you follow me. Uh, you can follow my work at NBCSports.com slash Edge, uh, formerly known as Roto World. We got... A little bit of an upgrade. We've we've been owned by NBC for years, but we're uh, really leaning into that, so to speak. But same great coverage, 
lots of cool fantasy stuff, lots of cool prospect stuff. That's kind of my expertise, so to speak. Um, I, I apologize if I dislike your favorite team's prospect. It's just the way it works. But yeah, that's pretty much where you can follow me. I, I just realized I recorded an earlier podcast today, realized I don't have an Instagram account. My life's just not interesting enough. So, uh, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. Of course. I mean, speaking of prospects in baseball, I just want to point out that you and I are both here for the, the, the finally the Byron Buxton breakout year. Yes, sir. It's here. We've got five <laughs> extra base hits already at time of recording. Uh, yes. ev- everyone's excited. But uh, we're not here to talk about Byron Buxton, even though I could take up a, a solid hour and a half <laughs> talking about that man. We're here to talk about Everybody Wants Some, the 2016 spiritual sequel to Days and Confused in 1980. A group of college baseball players navigate their way through the freedoms and responsibilities of unsupervised adulthood. Starred Blake Jenner, Tyler Hoechlin, Wyatt Russell, Zoe Deutsch, and most notably Glenn Powell with all the BDE. Uh, was written and directed by Richard Linklater. Got an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Chris, you can make a strong argument that this is both the best baseball movie and best college movie of this century. Who? Yeah. I mean, I would have to think about the college one because you didn't assign that in my homework. But I, will I did. Say this. I didn't. I literally just—I <laughs> thought of it like ten minutes before we started recording. Yeah. I mean, look, that it's up there for both for me, and in fact, it's my favorite baseball movie. And I get a lot of flack for that when I mention it on Twitter, and I think most of it is because. Most people haven't seen it and just assume that it can't be the best baseball movie. I think it's the best baseball movie by a substantial margin. And I've had time since that movie came out. You, you mentioned the release date. Um, this was the first time I'd watched it when you uh, when you asked me to come on this podcast in a couple of years. It, it holds up fantastically. In my so it, I will say this too. Um, it could be darning with faint praise because there are not a lot of baseball movies that I really like. If you would have had me on for the Sandlot, I probably would be um, excommunicated from this country because I, I, I hate the Sandlot. I do not do well with things that make you rely on nostalgia, and I think the Sandlot does that way too much. Also, maybe I'm just a contrarian who wants to uh, stick out. No, it's it's just not like my cup of tea. But I, you know, I like uh, quite a few other baseball movies, but. There are, there are some real stinkers, but this is not a stinker. This is an excellent, excellent movie. Just like to point out, if this is your first episode of Big Screen Sports and you like The Sandlot, you can go back on the feed, check out me and Lana Berry heaping a ton oh, of praise. On sorry, the Lana. Sorry, on the Lana. I, I, I love you both. I uh, love you, Lana, and I, I love, uh, love your work, Kyle. But The Sandlot and I just used to love it as a kid. Um, I don't like it anymore. I'm sorry. It holds up. But you know, the, the movie from the 90s, not to get on too much of a tangent, the baseball movie from the 90s that not enough people put respect on the name is Little Big League. Still holds up very well. <laughs> Love Little Big League. Wanted to be Billy Haywood when I grew up. Um, the, the, other, the other movie that I, I think, I really think two movies have an argument, two other movies have an argument for best, uh, best baseball movie of this century. And you, we were talking beforehand that you and Keith, Keith Law, former guest of the show, see eye to eye on a lot. Are you? You're not in the Moneyball camp, then? No, and <laughs> I'll just be honest with you too. And this is one of the reasons why I end up liking this movie, and we'll talk about it a little bit later. I struggle to shut my brain off sometimes, and there are some things that happen in Moneyball that just I can't deal with. the The ninth round pick part 
of Moneyball is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in any movie. To just blurt out around as if that is some sort of flippin' science is so stupid and so impossible for me to wrap my mind around it that Jonah Hill, Paul Dipodesta, uh, that version of it, would say, I would have taken you in the ninth round as if that was some sort of specific thing is so flipping dumb that I don't think I, that movie could have been perfect from that point on. And that will be my takeaway. That and the soda thing are so flipping stupid that it doesn't matter how good of a performance Brad Pitt gave and Jonah Hill's probably fine in it too. But ninth round in soda, that movie can go, go away for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is why when we covered that a few months ago with the guys over at Tipping Pitches, uh, we basically took the first part of the podcast to said, okay, let's talk about the baseball stuff that doesn't make sense, and <laughs> yeah. then let's appreciate the movie. Uh, we'll say the, I, I do like the score of Moneyball quite a bit. Oh, it's, I, it's, I, I, it's I will, amazing. I, I will say that. The, the score is great, and Brad Pitt is a terrific actor. The ninth round thing is the stupidest thing I've seen in a baseball movie, and I have seen the monkey movie with Matt LeBlanc. The <laughs> that is that is Ed, folks. The other the other baseball movie this century that has an argument for best baseball movie this century is Sugar. Also a movie yes. that no one has seen. Yeah, well, Sugar's fantastic. You could I mean, argue that Sugar is a better movie. I think this one is more rewatchable, and I, yes. I think this one is better the more you watch it. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, Sugar is really really good, and I wish more people had seen it. I will say too. That my my second favorite uh, baseball movie is Fastball, and it's only because I'm in it for about ten seconds. So <laughs> I, I don't know why I haven't gotten any kind of SAG stuff because my performance is critical. Um, I show you should incredible be a range. check in the mail. Yeah, I should be getting a check in the mail. Me and me and John Manuel and uh, Mr. Sharma and a whole bunch of baseball writers are in that movie just for one quick second of us looking at a radar gun and looking down. And we were, uh, very, very surprised to see, I, I made sure and, uh, screen framed that on, on Netflix and made sure and showed it to my grandpa just so she could be proud of her son for appearing in a, uh, a movie that I don't think made very much money. <laughs> well, fastball is a good, it's a good documentary. I, it also is knuckleball, but with this one, with everybody wants them, I don't think I need to ask. Is this a Hall of Fame all-star starter or bench warmer sports movie? You no, know, Hall of Fame. Like, first ballot. Like, if that's uh, if that's the way you're uh, you're going with it, I, I, I can't do anything. Like, you would want to see that plaque in Cooperstown, an easy Hall of Fame for me. It waltzes into the Hall of Fame. It is a – it gets a Jeter-like vote. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a no doubt Hall of Famer, much like Johan Santana should have been. You Hall of Fame <laughs> voters are all monsters. I just want to just want to point that out. Awful um, people. The, this one, like very few movies, actually make me miss college and miss college baseball because no movies really tackle college baseball. We we're kind of talking about this before we recorded when we were messaging, and that it's really just summer catching this. Right. And very few movies make me miss those things. Can actually like because like college, like you watch Animal House. And it's like, oh, that was funny. Doesn't make me want to go there. Uh, <laughs> this one absolutely makes me miss college and miss that college baseball, that that atmosphere. It's the perfect weekend to set this on. It's the only weekend in college 
where you have nothing else to worry about. You're walking into school, you're reuniting with the people you don't know, you're having this, and then with the, the meeting teammates, these forced instant bonds where like you've, you know, you've got this thing in common, you're all gonna gel kind of quickly. Uh, you gotta deal with those guys regardless. It's, it's the perfect setting. It really is, and so I didn't go to college until late. So I didn't relate in terms of the, that, that college experience, but I totally get it. I mean, talk to an awful lot of people who have been through stuff like that. But I did play sports throughout um, since I was six till I was about 20. I played on some sort of team, some of them good, some of them not so good. But I have been – I have had every single – teammate that they feature in that movie, I've had that teammate or I've had that friend, every single one of them. And one of the things I really like about this movie, and I was talking to my friend, uh, Eric Newsbaum, who I, I'm not going to promote his book too much, but he wrote a really terrific book and he's a really good guy. And he loves this movie too. But one of the things I really like about this movie is every single character that gets a chance to talk. The only person who doesn't get a chance to talk in this movie is the catcher uh, in uh, – yeah, uh, uh, yeah. So that that that's the only guy who doesn't really get a chance. But every single person who has a line in this movie has a moment where he looks like a important um, friend that you would want to have, and also a blank hole. And every single character, like at, from our lead down to the people who are featured the least, every single one of them has a moment where they are a really good dude and every single character has a moment where they are a POS. It is. And it's, that is unbelievably realistic in life to have, uh, especially at that age, because I think you could probably agree with this Kyle too, that we have the, we have all had those friends who are at times amazing, important influences on our life. And at times just awful, awful human beings. Cause that's just what 18 to 21 year olds are. Every single college teammate I had bar with like maybe one to two exceptions had at least one moment where they were a huge piece of shit. <laughs> it just it just happens. It's yeah. just, it's it's and and you can you can see Link later played baseball and you played sports, knew this environment and it comes through it's so authentic. It's it's also it's got the same great hallmarks of Dazed and Confused. It's got this perfectly done nostalgia. It's a it's a great representation of an era. And it's got a young, great cast where most everyone is pretty solid. You can see potential in a lot of these people. You can see a lot of potential in some of these people. The right. dialogue feels real. It doesn't feel forced. It feels authentic. Um, and something with this one is, you know, we we're calling it a sports movie, a baseball movie. There's right. very, very little baseball action. There's, there's one scene, which is a really enjoyable scene, but right. it's almost non-existent in this movie, the sport itself, but it, baseball is everything about this movie. It's about baseball culture. I think as much as any movie since Bull Durham, where baseball, like minor league culture, that lifestyle kind of permeates throughout Bull Durham. It's how, you know, it's how Crash Davis carries himself you know, right. on and off the field. This this one is maybe even more so. It influences dialogue, how these guys carry themselves, where they go, how they get along. Um, you know, it, it's it's everything. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's really really good. I mean, it's it's so well done, and it's so like what's interesting too. And I kind of thought about this late last night. Is as a prospect writer, maybe I noticed this a little more. But this movie has like a ton of acting prospects. <laughs> it, it's just mm -hmm. kind of like. 
like you see, um, there there are some guys who are a little more established, like uh, like Blake Jenner had done some stuff, and uh, Ryan Guzman might have been the biggest name of that movie, and he, with all due respect to him, might be the worst actor in this thing. But there are you see, like oh my gosh, watching this movie, I want to see what he does next. I want to see what she does next. And there are just, and this was true about Dazed and Confused as well. I mean, this was a movie that a lot of those guys didn't become stars, but became prolific character actors who did lots and lots of stuff on television and in movies. Um, I totally see this happening with Everybody Wants Some. I can see, there's there's one person, and we'll, we'll talk about mm-hmm. him because he's the, he's the MVP of this movie. But uh, and also, by the way, just to get it out of the way, yes, Captain America and Superman are in this movie, which is kind of fun. <laughs> just not yeah. the ones you're thinking of. <laughs> not the ones you're thinking of, but Captain America and Superman are definitely in this movie. But yeah, there's just you. It oozes potential, and part of that is you know having one of the greatest filmmakers of this century and towards the end of last century as well, certainly helps. I mean, I guess he'd be the player development system in this thing, but he's so good. And the dialogue, it's naturalistic, but it's not naturalistic to the point where you get bored of it. There's to me. So Aaron Sorkin and I have a a love hate relationship because when I watch Aaron Sorkin, I, I, I really want, I watched Molly's game and it took everything I could to not yell Nobody talks like this. I can't <laughs> listen to this. No one has had this conversation before. It is so hard for me. But you don't want monotony, boring stuff that you would, oh, hi, Mark, type stuff that you would get from the room either. Linklater has that perfect balance of where you would believe this person is saying something, but it's also something that you want to quote over and over and over again. And that's that's probably the highest compliment I can make to a screenwriter. It comes off like all the idiots I was friends with at school, but in a in a real in a not in a bad way. Like exactly. He he's been there. And the thing with the cast, there's there's obviously gonna be the comparisons, the parallel to the Days and Confused cast, and it's so you know, everyone always says, oh, look how many people were in Days and Confused. And that cast gets buoyed by McConaughey and Affleck being right. both being Oscar winners, both of it, you know, being 20 of two of the most 20 famous actors of the, you know, right. the last 30 years. Without they, question. I mean, yeah, you can see the potential in this one. It, it, it is not out of the question. There, there's a couple contenders in this cast. We'll talk about Glenn Powell. We'll talk about Wyatt Russell, even um, Hockland. I don't know what the what the rest of his career looks like. Like you said, he's got sure. that gig as Superman. What is that? Is it show on the CW or something like so. that? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he, he's going to be steady. Um, Zoe Deutsch has a lot of potential. It, you know, maybe this cast doesn't have the, you know, the, the star power that the, the days cast has, but like McCon- getting McConaughey and Affleck in, in that movie is just crazy. And, and Affleck is such a minor role. O'Banion is, is an afterthought right. in that movie. Yes. Um, but, but he, I mean, he did it again with, grabbing these young talented people who who can do what he needs them to do and come off as authentic and there there's like you said there some of these are are top prospects yeah Um, and and we're gonna get into we're gonna get into uh the the wander franco of this pod (laughs) um before i get into the imdb trivia i this movie or dazed and confused uh i'm probably going this movie and I, i i gotta tell you it might just be because i can relate 
to this movie a lot more than I can relate to Dazed and Confused. I, I didn't I didn't have that life. I, I didn't have and it's interesting because it's natural, obviously. They literally marketed this movie as the spiritual successor to Dazed and Confused. But it's what's interesting to me about these two movies is one of these movies, in my opinion, one of the overlying themes of Dazed and Confused is anti-competition. And one of the huge, huge, huge themes of Everybody Wants Some is competition. So it's just kind of that's just kind of an interesting juxtaposition. I relate more with the competition one. I certainly like if I grew up in the 70s, I'd like to think I would be uh, the the quarterback who didn't want to sign sign the sheet to to not play. And there's some wonderful moments in that movie, and uh, the soundtrack is fantastic. But because I relate more with Everybody Wants Some, and I think it's just a little more complete film, I think I'm going with Everybody Wants Some. If I grew up in the 70s, I would just like to think that I'd be anybody but Wooderson. Um, <laughs> there you go. I, I, I am going with this one, too. Um, I, yeah. I kind of told you when I did my rewatch, as soon as it was over, I wanted to watch it again. I wanted to revisit every yeah. single second of this movie. The IMDb <laughs> trivia, I didn't really pull a whole lot. Um, it's, you know, there, there's not a whole lot on it. Typically, there's not usually a lot of trivia on movies that gross less than $10 million. Um, you know, Richard Linklater did in fact play baseball in his school years. He always remembered how everyone on his team were competitors and would compete at just about anything to prove who was better. That comes through a ton in, uh, in this movie. Part of the filming was done at Texas State University in San Marcos, Texas, which for folks of you who, who aren't from Texas, like me, uh, San Marcos is, uh, Texas State is a school you go to when you uh, can't get into Texas. And <laughs> some of the scenes were shot in its downtown area, which it, it Admittedly, very, very fun area because, again, it's all the people can get into Texas. Um, right. <laughs> during batting practice, McReynolds calls the pitcher Jay Niles meat, which is maybe a reference to the baseball movie Bull Durham and Bull Durham. Kevin Costner's character calls Tim Robbins' character meat. Robbins' character was a pitcher in that movie. Um, it, it, that just I, I included that because eventually they're going to make a remake to Bull Durham. Someone is going to be like, we should do this. It's going to oh, happen. Gosh, yeah. Uh, it's it's going to happen. I, so here's my prediction that we will not get a movie remake of Bull Durham. We will get a television series produced by Kevin Costner uh, with the Bull Durham name. That That is my guess. 10 of 10 would watch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so best scene in this one. Um, so this is tough. I try to be selective with this, uh, but from the get-go nearly every scene is perfect it's relatable in some way so it's it's like dazed in that it's about these respective parties and these these respective meetups but this is stretched over a weekend and ever and just like college pretty much everything revolves around the nights what you're doing that night yeah and so if i leave out it we're gonna go go about this chronologically if i leave out any of your favorites by by all means wave me down um sure I love the intro at the house. I love the first scene when he's driving up. He starts meeting the team. Uh, Hockland, Powell, and White Russell are here to steal the show, folks. Who the hell are you? Oh, uh, Jake Bradford. Infielder? Pitcher. What? Hey, whoa! Just what we need, another fucking pitcher. Not a lefty, are you? Uh, no, not right-handed. Thank God. These guys are always so fucking weird. Like Nez? I hate that guy. I love Ness. He's fine. He's just fucking weird. Hey, I'm just going to tell you something right now. Yeah. I hate pitchers, okay? So you and me will be teammates, but we're not going to be friends or anything like that. Mm -mm. Might give you some kind of edge if I got to face you down the line in pro ball. If you ever make it there. 
I'm just not gonna do that. All right. Those your bags. You wanna pick your shit up? Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It, it, that's such a good scene. Like, this is another thing that he does. I think better than any filmmaker is he. So we've all seen those terrible television pilots where it's like, boy, what's it like being a single dad raising two kids, but your <laughs> left hand was amputated. By the way, the lottery ticket just you tried to cash. Like they set all of that exposition up so that you can like just watch the next two shows. Linklater does the opposite of that. He introduces these characters. You immediately get a feel for who these dudes are. Like you immediately know Glenn Powell is the guy who has to be the smartest guy in the room, uh, maybe a little insecure actually about his, uh, his, his actual place in terms of smarts. You immediately know I have met about 60,000 different versions of Tyrone Plummer, but that is the perfect version oh, of yeah. Tyrone Plummer. Oh, yeah. uh, you, I mean, you immediately get a feel for these guys. And it's like we talked about earlier, it's naturalistic. It is not introducing characters so that you can just get it out of the way so that they can do their funny stuff or have their big lines. There is a natural progression, which is super hard to do. What's the runtime of this movie? 90 minutes, something right around it's that. A shade, it's a shade under like two hours, but it, it's, okay, it yeah. doesn't have oh, a two but, hour mark. Man, it that's another thing about this movie then, because I would have never guessed that. It goes by it flies. so quickly. It just absolutely flies. In fact, I, I would love to see like, an extended cut of this movie because there oh. has to be one. Yeah, I, I would give be. anything for director's yeah. cut. But you, you <laughs> have too. this instant, this forced familiarity. Like you said, you right. know these guys right away, and it's mm-hmm. and and you're you're kind of going through the eyes of Jenner's character. You're, you're going through Jake, and you're you're doing this meetup, and you, it's it's a very familiar thing. It's going right. to a new place where you have the you know this this forced this forced familiarity with these guys, like he, you know, it, it's how baseball players interact and it's how this goes that first weekend of college where you're meeting, you know, you're meeting all the transfers, the new guys, you're seeing old friends. If you're a returner, it's, it's just great. And the, the moment when, when Wyatt Russell hands Jake that book that randomly <laughs> just says chapter yeah. nine will blow your mind. It's just, yes. we all know uh, that guy too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's so good, and it's uh, once again like uh, repeating myself, but it's so believable. There is absolutely there are movies that you watch like this where you have a bunch of characters where you're like, this person doesn't exist. This is even if it's an amalgam of a whole bunch of dudes, this person isn't real. Every single one of those characters is real, and you know we talked about competition. You see it like just in that first scene, like he he goes up to McReynolds and. The fr- one of the first things he tells him is that we're not going to be friends. I don't like pitchers. And when you first see that, you think, oh, what a absolute D word. Am I allowed to say the D word on this podcast? Oh, yeah, I don't, you can say, uh, okay. yeah, you can say what anything a, you want. Thank you very much. It's nice. Uh, my other podcast, I'm not allowed to do this. What a dick. What a huge jerk to be uh, to say something like that to somebody you meet. But you kind of realize that it's not really him being a dick. Maybe it is a little bit, but it's more about you are going to have to earn that dude's trust. You are going to have to, um, and cause you could see it in the baseball scene. Like you can, you, you are going to have to earn this person's respect. And once you've earned it, he's going to be a great dude for you, but it's going to be a rough go there for a little bit, but it's absolutely believable. Like that line 
from a lot of other directors. Like if Zack Snyder was trying to do that, first of all, it'd be in slow motion. And second of all, it would be, it would be in black and white as well. And he would, the only reason that they would become friends at the end is because they both have a mom named Martha. That's, that's the only, that's the, that's the, that's the difference between those dudes. Um, but it's just, it's so believable to have, to have that kind of tension between he, he's, I believe he's a senior in the movie, right? McReynolds. Yeah, I don't McReynolds, think they, they, McReynolds yeah. seems he's a, at the very least an upperclassman. He's been uh, there. He, he looks like he's been an upperclassman a few times to be completely honest. I feel like that was every eighties college student. Though. Yeah. There's, a lot of great mustaches that, in this. That movie. is totally fair. Fantastic mustaches, fantastic hair. But yeah, that, that first scene is absolutely, that's one of the best first scenes I've seen, not just in a sports movie, a baseball movie, a college movie, just any movie. It made me like think like I want to be there right now. Sure, I want to yeah. be. I want to be in Jake's. I want to be in Jake's shoes because I want to be the friend. I want to have forty years of this ahead of me. Yeah, exactly. The next scene I've got is um, essentially the first night, the disco bar, which transitions to the house party because I kind of think of that as one linked sort of scene because the right. disco bar is they're walking in. I, I included that part. It is just mainly another like Glenn Powell BDE showcase, and he, he says almost nothing. <laughs> Because Dale is talking about the the average dick bit that Glenn Powell is doing, and you just see him acting, and you're just like, this guy is just commanding the space. Look at Mark, what's up? Ben's in his average cock mode. Right now, I guarantee you he's telling those girls about how he has an average cock. Why the hell would he do that? No, it's genius, actually. So he tells girls that he has an average cock, and while that might only seem moderately compelling on paper, women find it a relief from all the guys talking about how huge they are. I'm a performer, all right? I'm a, I'm a grower, not a shower. See all that fun? All that laughing? Yeah, 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 yeah. They're talking about his dick, man. Fucking... Yeah. I, I, you heard a foot in the door? Of course. Ben's got his dick in the door. That's fucking genius, man. Gen- genius. Yes. It's fantastic. The only thing I think you hear is him briefly say, grower, not a shower, like just barely in the background. Um, everything else, it's just Dale. By the way, he's fantastic. Um, in this movie, he will, I think we'll talk about it in just a little bit. He has one of my favorite things, but, um, but that scene's fantastic. And I guess if you had a, maybe a complaint is that maybe the sex stuff goes a little too long. Like it's almost out of place in this movie. It, if they're talking about it all the time, yeah. the scene itself is almost yes. out of place. If there was more yeah. of that. It'd yeah. be like thing, but it's, 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 it's almost kind of weird. It's almost like it, someone it, forgot to take it out. It is weird, and it almost makes me wonder if they were like, we want this to be a rated R movie. We want this to be something that – and we'll talk about something else that that's the worst part of this movie to me is – and it has actually nothing to do with the real movie. But that they wanted to make this like uh, – maybe this is something we can sell to those 18, 19-year-olds that, hey, titties, <laughs> they're, they're going to be in the movie. Hey, hey. Bo- boobies, boobies and butts. You- you're going to be able to see these in this in this very talky Richard Linklater movie. You can you can see them. So that 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 would be my only complaint. But they set that scene like I can believe that disco is a real place. I can believe that those kids are actually getting free. Can you imagine that being happening though? Like now, like don't get me wrong. I'm sure like the the football players at Alabama are not paying for drinks very oh, often yeah. either, or something like that. But it's it's so much more believable that you know it's 
they established that this team is a good college baseball team. And they have the run of the town. Yes, but they, they are clearly the kings of that campus. And it's it's very, very easy to to see their charisma just kind of spilling over. Like, like Tyler Hawkland might as well have been like, you know, they might as well just put, put like a Playgirl magazine down for him. Because <laughs> like he is, he is the, like the perfect 1980s centerfold for for that movie and it's just but it's so believable and like i watched some making of stuff of this movie that they actually went through dance class stuff they went through dance class stuff i think more than they went through baseball stuff and the dances are believable and they link letter did this thing and he talked about it in uh in the youtube video that they we wanted to make them good dancers and believable dancers but he didn't want to make them great dancers because they wouldn't be great dancers like Blake Jenner has a background in Glee and stuff like that. He probably had to dumb it down for this movie. You know what I'm saying? Even because though he does back like... then in the eighties, grinding was not there yet. <laughs> no, exactly. When I went to school, you didn't have to do unless, unless like, the country bar, you had to learn how to two, you had to two step, <laughs> yes. but everywhere yes. else, it was just like, you just got to stand there back in the eighties. Yeah. You actually had to kind of know how to dance. So it's, it's great that you bring that up. Cause yeah, that's perfectly authentic. The, the last thing in that scene that to me is just like, when Jake goes to when he is trying to negotiate use of his room with uh, with yes. Peter Perkins oh, or whatever man. is, I mean, it, just perfect. perfect. So I watched another thing, too, uh, right before we actually started recording where um, they have some outtakes of that scene where he's where he's talking to those two friends in the room after uh, he can't get um, he won't give up the room to Jake where he's where he's talking about like, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go out and kick cans and stuff like that. And I'm glad he cut that out because it's better to see him just do the, you go on and have a good time, Jake, because it makes him more of an asshole. It is much more of that scene. Cause like I said, there is that scene and his a little bit more than everybody else. If there's a villain, it's, it's Niles and his buter. You know, those are the two guys that are really hard to root for. But I think it's a lot easier to not root for him by him not saying, well, you know what? It is his room. He he is in his right to talk to his friends. And he really isn't supposed to bring – trying not to sound too much like Principal Skinner <laughs> defending the rules here. But uh, you know, he, he does kind of have him in his right. But by having him just say, you go on and have a good time, Jake, much more believable scene that way, I think. Like they say in the movie, every team has two weirdos. And yeah. Buter, the, the country guy, always finds country guys who are not baseball players. Like he just finds, yes. his, they just finds his people. The yes. next scene I've got is night two at the Sound Machine. Yes. Uh, that is the uh, Jay Niles, uh, brother of Houston Street, Justin Street. Yeah. Uh, he has in this movie what I call big cocaine energy. <laughs> <laughs> That's very accurate. Every baseball team has a guy who might get in a dumb fight of their own doing. Yes. And uh, this is another thing that's interesting about this movie to me is that sometimes it's very hard to tell when they're telling the truth and when they're not. Um, And this is like, like, do you believe, Kyle, that he was actually drafted by the Blue Jays? Oh, no, no, not not at all. No, same with this me. This is now, before baseball reference. He can't get called yeah, on that. <laughs> that's true. So that's so that's the thing is that that is absolutely something that you could make up. Um, 
you know, uh, the only reason I kind of ask is because like, and we'll get to that fantastic baseball scene, but like he, Mick Reynolds does say that's like touching 90. That probably might get you drafted in 1982. I mean, if he was throwing 95, there's no way in hell he's ending up on a college baseball team. You got to think like if you're doing the, uh, if you're doing the inflation, 95 back then is like 108 in, oh, in yeah. current terms. Yeah. So, but, but that's, that's one of those things too. It's like, there are these little things that they say, and we, and we were talking about Buter. Uh, another good question for you. Do you think that they actually had to pay the phone bill? Ooh. I don't, th- I, I don't think, I feel like that'd be included with the house. See, because that's the thing, though, is that they're very, very believable in convincing that kid he's going to have to spend $300. And keep in mind, 1982 money, $300, quite a bit more. But like that's that's one of those things, and it, with the scout and with um, with those traditions that they have, uh, there's just so much bullshit that you you want to know if it's real and if it's not real. And that's a great thing that this movie does is you only get three days with these guys, so you want to learn more and find out if that scout is real, if he actually had to pay the phone bill, um, if if Jay Niles is actually a very good pitcher. Um, yeah, that, that. But that's back to that sound machine scene. I mean, that is so fantastic. And you know, on top of some sexism in this movie, there's also a little bit of racism in this movie as well. And I'm by no means suggesting that those are good things, but they're realistic things. This was these were things that would be happening in 1992 or on 1982 a baseball team. on a baseball team. You would be hearing some awful things, and you know. Um, Jay Niles it, would be calling the bartender Pancho Villa. No, exactly. And uh, I believe uh, Ryan Guzman's character calls him something as well, that he says he looks like uh, Cheech. So, you know, there's 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 stuff like that that, um, you know, if you were making this movie about 2021 baseball players, it would come off way worse than it does now. But it's once again, it sets that time and place so well and that's that's absolutely one of my favorite scenes in the movie there's another nice baseball touch in that one when the fight happens and they all run to go break it up guzman's character pushes mcreynolds down the you stay here, which is the the quintessential this guy has a future beyond this team stay here you're not getting in trouble that's a great scene and the fact that they show him get up to go because if mcreynolds was as big of a dick as we thought he was in that first scene He's not doing that. He's not. He doesn't give a shit. He's 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 learning. He's waiting for pro ball. He, hell, if 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 he gets knocked out, that's just one less pitcher he's not going to face. But you do see that. Yeah, he is um, maybe not the most friendly human being in the entire world, and he's going to give uh, underclassmen a tough time. But you see that that is a dude who cares, and that he is somebody who wants these guys to be teammates and ultimately, I think, friends at the end. But. But yeah, that's that's a great call out because that is so, I could so picture that up for the the star quarterback to be or the star player on the team. Like you don't get to be involved in this. They go from the sound machine to the country bar, and there's not a yeah. whole lot that's notable about the country bar besides the Cotton Eye Joe line dance, except for <laughs> Jake and Wyatt Russell playing pool and Wyatt <laughs> Russell laying down to Jake the weirdness of pitchers, which I think should yeah. be shown in every first team meeting on every baseball team ever. Just oh. Wyatt Russell explaining and bracing the the weirdness of pitcher. Wyatt Russell is just 
Glenn Powell has all like the BDE and bravado in this movie <laughs> yeah. and is is very commanding, charismatic. You you can see that future for him. But Wyatt Russell is a lot more just subtle, confident in what he's doing. It, it it's a great performance. It's it's fantastic. I mean, there are so many I mean you I honestly like I'd have to go back and look, I guess, but there are so many performances here where if somebody would have gotten a nomination for Best Supporting Actor, I, I would have zero issue with it. In fact, I mean, you could argue that I, I don't think I saw a better performance than the ones that Russell and uh, that Russell and Powell gave in that movie. And I mean, and if he, not for Powell, this might be Wyatt Russell's movie. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And you know what? You can say that a big think about a lot of characters in this movie because, like. Like Dale has some of my favorite moments in this movie and is, is one of the most realistic characters too, as, as the guy who could be your friend, but is also going to give you the straight information about how difficult this is going to be. Um, there, there are so many fantastic performances in this movie that they kind of like, it almost hurts them because like you forget about, um, you know, I, I can't, now I can't think of the character's name, but the one who beats Nesbitt at the, the flick game, the cheers for the beers guy, I haven't seen that dude in anything else, but he was terrific in that role. He was he was so believable as a weirdo, but also a very talented weirdo. I mean, uh, the, we've all had people like that who are like, gosh, this guy is weird, but boy, he's and he's one of the best baseball players if you watch in the scenes as well. There are so many good performances in this movies that would be standouts and others that get overshadowed because um, Powell and and Russell are just so flipping good. Yeah, it's just like dazed. I mean, everyone is, you know, everyone's putting up. It's, you know, they, kind of sharing the ball. Everyone's putting, you know, everyone's <laughs> yes. putting up good numbers. You've got Adam Goldberg in a supporting role. Um, you've sure. got Rory, Rory Cochran in that that great supporting role. Like I just watched Argo the other night that he's in. Nice. Randomly. I will awesome. say, I just gave it a look. The 2017 Oscars, tough Oscars to sneak in a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, interesting. That's the uh, Mahershala Ali Moonlight win. Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water, Lucas Hedges, Manchester by the Sea, Dev Patel in Lion, uh, which uh, that that movie is an emotional fucking roller coaster. Oh, and, gosh. Uh, Michael Shannon in Nocturnal Animals. I refuse oh. to take a nomination away from Michael Shannon in anything ever. No, that's a good point. Do, do you have the best supporting actors? Uh, that, no, that's, yeah, that, that was the best supporting oh, actor. Right oh, gosh, yeah. Which, okay. And, like, and, and you can make arguments that Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water and Dev Patel in Lion are, are leading actors. That's a very well, see, that's a very sketchy best supporting actor. That, right that's there. why I got confused because Dev Patel supporting in Lion is asinine. I, I, I don't understand. The how poster is his entire face. Yeah, I mean, he literally, I mean, there's, there's very good performances in Lion. Um, uh, <laughs> every time I think about Hell or High Water, the what don't you want is one of my favorite scenes from any movie. <laughs> I mean, it comes, it's in a movie that has a lot of uh, very serious stuff going on, but there's, there's that scene of brevity that is so good. That woman should have won Best Supporting Actress just for that 15 seconds that she was in that scene. But no, that's real tough. I um, think Ben Foster is who I'd have given the nomination to for that movie. But that's, there, that's, that's an argument for another oh, day. He's so good. I haven't seen Ben Foster in anything in a while. Um, but uh, Oh, except uh, Without a Trace. Am I getting the title right on that? Yeah. Um, 
the movie where uh, they were on their on their own, and then that that's Ben Foster, isn't it? Am I? I, am I? I don't think it, it's been a. It's it's been yeah. A it's, been a, it's been a. It's been a. But yeah, it's there are so many like it at least should have gotten a nomination Screen Actors Guild for best cast because mm. like it's so good and everybody is just and I know I've said this like sixteen times but like it, it can't be overstated how good and how well cast everybody is in this movie. Yeah, I mean it's it's a hallmark to the to the link later films. I mean, and if Absolutely. you want to talk about Wyatt Russell a little more, the next scene I have is the the Pink listening to Pink Floyd and smoking weed with Willoughby. Oh, which so is so good. He's doing the classic old guy picture thing. Like at that point, we don't know how old he is, but every team has that guy like doing the tele. I mean, it's that scene is letting Wyatt Russell cook. You know, we used to be telepathic. Humans were telepathic. Man, you could just right here. You know, the fucking Mayans knew it, man. The Druids fucking knew it. And you think the way things are going now, that we're ever going to get that back? Fucking no. No. You guys want to try a little telepathic shit? Let's do it. Okay, lock in. Lock in. You locked in? Yeah. All right. What am I thinking about? Baseball. Having a tail. Cereal? Fuck. Just thinking about sharks. It's it's so good, and I would love to see like what is in the cutting room floor of that scene as well. But uh it's a perfectly cut scene. What I love about that scene too is that it's you know, it's got um it has the theme of the competition because they're trying to see who can uh, take the most of, of that uh, going on in the bog. And then it also has some unbelievably good quotes. Like Willoughby is just like, I would, I would listen to his podcast for sure. That would be something that I would love to get into. And then at the very end, it has that hilarious moment about where they're thinking about, he was thinking about sharks and they're trying to guess what, what <laughs> and he thought it was like given, I was thinking about sharks. <laughs> Sharks. Yeah, yeah. Hey, sharks have tails, as Plummer points out. He's very good in that scene as well, and good throughout the movie. I hope I see him in some other stuff as well, because he is a very, very believable, chill but dumb, friendly, but i probably not going to do much with his life type of guy. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely, I think that might be my second favorite scene in the movie. I've heard incredible stuff about Lodge Forty Nine with uh, with oh. Russell. I've heard it's really weird, really good. Yeah, I think oh, it got canceled, yeah. But I've heard heard it, good things. It, it did. My my uh, my buddy Eric, who I was talking about earlier, uh, knows a few people involved in that show, and um, I actually uh, I follow like Paul F. Tompkins. That's like one of his favorite shows in the world, and he's Paul F. Tompkins is as of like anything he likes, I'm going to like. But yeah, Watch Forty Nine is really really good. And, uh, I've only seen a little bit so far of, uh, Falcon, um, on Disney plus, but, uh, uh I'm sure he's going to be great in that as well. Yeah. I think the only, the only Wyatt Russell, he was in 22 jump street, um, is one of those minor supporting characters. Oh, that's then, right. And then overlord, which was like surprisingly good. Didn't see overlord, but heard it, heard it's pretty uh, an interesting premise. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's creepy. Um, yeah. okay. The, the next scene, 
is baseball practice. You only sure. get one baseball scene, but they pack a ton into it from the yeah. get go. It's it's long. It's one of the longer single set pieces of the movie. Yeah, and you know you can kind of break it down a little bit. I think into like three scenes, like getting ready to, and you, not even including the locker room, the the stretching out part where he's telling them about the date that he's going to go on. Um, the BP portion and then the scrimmage portion. So if you want to call those, but it's really just one baseball scene and it's perfect. Like it's, it it actually isn't my favorite scene in the movie, but it is a perfect baseball scene. Like it's believable. I have to give them a ton of credit. So we talked about how earlier with Moneyball, how I struggled to take myself out of, uh, or to turn my brain off for things that I may know or know, not know about. Well, I really struggle with that with baseball because I can't stand watching pitchers who have terrible arm motions and I can't stand watching swings that would lead to five foot dribblers at best. But everybody there is doing a pretty darn good job. Like there, I think a few of those guys have obviously Hockman has the baseball background. Um, Hockland and Street. Yes. Uh, yeah, Jay it's, Niles, it's, yeah. Right. Have the baseball. But like Nesbitt's sidearm motion is believable. Like that is a believable submarine motion. The person who has the most unrealistic motion or that clearly couldn't do it the most is uh, Blake Jenner in his pitching. And you can clearly tell his stunt double, his stunt double could pump though. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. They clearly were using somebody when they went to the back of the motion. Uh, and I give uh, Jenner credit. Like he looks legit. Uh, I'm doing this uh, on my uh, thing, realizing I can't be seen, but like coming to a set, he's believable. Um, certainly an athletic dude, but it was very clear that that was, and I don't have any problem with that. Like sometimes stunt doubles can really bother me um, because it, it, it takes Like I said, it takes me out of the movie, but um, there's some really good swings. There's some really good, um, some out like realistic catches in the outfield. The best is Hawkland slide into second. It's oh, yeah. Silky. It's so good. And he has such a good swing. Like, probably, no, I'll say the, probably the best looking swing I've seen in a decent baseball movie. Like, not a documentary or not, uh, not something where you have an actor who is an actual professional baseball player. Um, I think he has the best swing, and it helps that he swings from the left side because I just think that's just more aesthetically pleasing. But in between this baseball stuff, you just get some unbelievably good dialogue as well. It is a terrific scene. Yeah, I mean, the Jay Niles experience. Like, it's so fantastic. to Texas, it shows, but Hawkland commands it. That He's got yeah. the natural – The you can't teach the actions. I always say always cast athletes. If, yeah. Unless you're trying to have someone win you an Oscar – Always sure. cast an athlete because that stuff comes through. And Hawkland is a good actor and also an athlete. But he's got, yeah. he's got the natural actions, the lingo. It's authentic. It's there. That showdown between both him and Jay Niles and then him and McReynolds is good. Right. The, um, the you're not quite there yet freshman showdown. Yes. What I like about that scene too is that a lot of movies where there is, um, for lack of a better term, shit talking between two dudes – it comes off very fake and it comes off as like the, some screenwriter who was trying to like make up for the fact that he wasn't good at sports. And <laughs> this is what I would have told that guy. Very, very believable between those two. Um, and you know, it also, um, 
boils over. And then that end scene too, where those two are together, super believable, um, where <laughs> Niles is too stupid or too pride to truly apologize. But he, he says good hit and gives him the little tap on the butt and you see McReynolds smile, you know, we only get three days with these guys, but you can tell that this is going to be uh, something that's that's going to build into something. And it's frustrating that I, I would just love to see more of these guys. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And it's great seeing kind of the cocky confidence of McReynolds. Like when he steps in against Jake, takes a fastball yeah. and then goes, why don't we call it 0-2? <laughs> yeah, And that's, exactly. that's when you know that Jake is really fucked. Hi, freshman ping pong champ. See what you got, kid. Here we go, Jake. Okay. 01. Yeah, make it 02. 02? Yeah. 02! Oh, gosh, yeah. And you know what? I think that was a, a smart decision to, to make him, to make your lead not the, um, the future star but a guy who's going to have to kind of hang on. I mean, you see in that scene where this is a terrific scene too, where uh, they're in his room, Ryan Guzman and, uh, and Nesbitt, and they're looking through his stuff and you see the second team all state and they're, they're kind of like giving him a hard time about it, but it's, it's not just making fun of him for having, you know, the letterman's jacket with the second team all state. It's also like, Second team all state isn't going to do shit for a program that appears to be competing for a college world series title. The, the yeah, way they're talking, by all appearances, not just, yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, not just not just being a, a good team, but like a legitimate great baseball team. Um, he's going to have to work hard, and I think you can kind of tell. This is just my personal opinion. He may not be long for that sport. You know what I mean? He may not. This may be why he's there and he can build relationships with these guys. But I kind of get the feeling, too, that there's there's more to um, what's going on, except for and we'll get into it when we get to the quote stuff. He has such a great quote um, that makes me think that maybe baseball actually is in his future. But I think it was really smart to make the lead a guy who is not going to be like. He's not. Um, he's not a meathead. No, and he's not the hot shot that everybody's worried about, like taking their spot in their rotation or anything like that. It, it sounds like he's kind of a hanger on, and so he's going to have to work extra hard at that. And it's much more. I think I find it much more enjoyable to find to watch that character that is going to have to go through some shit than to make him like Kumar Rocker, you know what I mean? Like that type of thing where you absolutely know this guy is going to succeed. I think it was really smart to make it more of that, that 40 to 45 grade player than like a 60 or 70. Yeah. I walked on in college in, in my first ever inner squad scrimmage. One of the, the first batters I faced was Evan Gaddis. And so I really oh, no felt, kidding. really felt that uh, when Jake was facing <laughs> Reynolds, I really, I really felt for him on that one. Man. Yeah. That would um, be tough. It, it, it was, let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the last scene I've got is the art party. I never went to a party like this in college or any other point in my life, but I'm wildly nostalgic for this. I would have loved to. It seems like a lot of weird fun. Uh, Oh God. Yeah. This one though, is just Glenn Powell wrapping up his BDE conquest of every scene in this movie. 
he puts so, on the hat and it's like, okay, th- this is, th- he's in this weird environment, but this is also his scene too. It's so great too. And I didn't pick this up until you mentioned it, that he talks and talks and talks and talks and talks. And it isn't until, and I, I don't know if I'm allowed to use this word or not, and you can just bleep it out. Yeah, you can until, use it. He, until he shuts the fuck up. When he finally shuts the fuck up is when he finally succeeds in actually, although he does get a girl in the very first scene, I guess, but like he does because so, he has one of the funniest lines of the movie post funniest, coitus. Fu- funniest lines and one of the most unrealistic things in the movie, which I think we can talk about in a sec too. <laughs> um, but, but it's so funny that what actually works for him after all of that talking uh, is that when he's quiet, that's what she finds sexy, and she basically jumps on him. But that scene is great. Um, and super, like, okay, so that that Texas State kind of feel, that felt like Austin to me. Like, that is oh, yeah. something that, like, that I could see absolutely happening on that UT campus that, like, you would go get queso, and then you would go. I, there was no queso in this movie. There was plenty of it in Boyhood um, there that you would absolutely see um, – at that type of campus. And uh, uh, it's fun to see too. And this is um, something that uh, is kind of a theme too, is that you get to see every type of college student that you would see in 1982. You saw the jock, you saw the actor, actress, you saw the, for lack of a better term, weirdos, you saw the punk rock, the punk rock scene is not one of my, the one I'm thinking of as my favorite, but fantastic scene and a fantastic, um, quote between those two talking about trying to fit in and uh, doing it by trying different things as well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you can, you can see those two. Um, you can see, like I can feel myself going to that party and having so much fun. And <laughs> Tyrone is so good in that scene, just walking around. There's a cat in the fridge. He's just looking for a way to get beers. At that character, I'm telling you, it's it's one of the the lower like placed characters, but it's so believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and it rolls into like the great ending for the movie. It's very much, uh, very Perfect. much kind of like Wiley Wiggins putting on his headphones and, and yes. going to sleep at the end of Days and Confused. It's just. It's I great. didn't think of that. Mm-hmm. I did not. Oh, that's a, so good. A great bookend. That is so good. So I will say um, the 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 scene that uh, you didn't mention, but that it's actually my favorite scene in the movie. And it's just because of um, the quotes at the end is uh, it's after practice when they are. And I, I guess I, I think of it is, as a separate Is that scene. when they're eating and they come yes. to tell him about Willoughby actually being old? Yes. Great. Yeah, that, I, I have something about that later. So I didn't totally omit the okay, scene. Okay. Yes, no, great. No, I By mean, all means, it's, go. It's fine. It's fine. You hated it. And that's fine that you, that you hated <laughs> the scene. It's clear. No, that to me is my favorite scene in the movie because it is, it gives you, so there's, there's lots of scenes that, this is, if, if I'm rambling, I apologize here. I love this movie. Um, it's, the, it's the best. We're, I'm fine going for two hours on this one. It's, 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 it's really, really freaking good. Um, you get this sense throughout um, before that of the highs and lows that you're going to go through with these group of not just these group of teammates, but in college and in life. There are going to be lots of good things. You, you see it. Um, that first night, they have absolutely no trouble um, succeeding, for lack of a better term, with the ladies. The second night, not so much. Um, 
but you see the ups and the downs and the competition. But that scene when they're all in that cafeteria and when Dale gives him the thing about the starting spots and how, yes, yes, we are a collection and we are um, in this together, but we're separate, but we're, we, we are separate too. We want to keep uh, our starting jobs. We want to make something out of what's going on here. I think that speech is so good. And then you add in the fact that about Willoughby, Willoughby and uh, that he just leaves that one lunch and that they smoke it. I mean, that that it's this is one of my favorite things, too, is that there are serious things happening in this movie, but you're not far away from a big laugh as well. And that scene has one of my favorite laughs of them talking about uh, how Charlie Willoughby is actually a 30 year old. And um and just that speech from Dale, man, is so good. Well, we can kind of roll that in the best quote because I, I have the speech from Dale, that monologue there. But basically, when he when he starts it out with what you limp cocks don't realize, you haven't earned teammate status yet, which yes. is the reality of the fall. The fall in baseball is so interesting in that you have the first half of the school year is all about how you slot in and how you blend as a team. You have, you know, five months before you actually play a real game. Right. And it's this great. And so he's basically letting them know, because one of the things about this movie, and I'll get into it, is is how quickly the new guys assimilate. And the but but what he's basically letting them know, it's one of the most realistic parts of the movie is like these guys, while you've all we've all come together and we're going to have fun, we have to get along one way or another like you are a threat. You are. We don't know what you are yet. We don't know how things are going to shake out in the spring and in the spring. There are going to be guys who have their feelings hurt. There are guys who are scared that they are not going to play. And that, that's a reality that's one of like the insecurities of baseball and a baseball team. And that, that monologue from Dale is fantastic. It is one of the, the best quotes in the movie. I, I, have, I only have a couple other nominees for best quote. Um, I, right. I, guess, I guess I should go back. My favorite scene is uh, it's probably – it's either the baseball practice or honestly uh, the the Pink Floyd listening to Pink Floyd and Willoughby's room. Sure, I think that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, it's so good. I, I either one of those. I mean, there's like there's not a bad scene in this movie. There's nothing that I would absolutely consider cutting out, except for maybe that uh huh I like it sex thing at the end. Maybe just went on a little bit too long. Except to, to set up that quote uh, after post code is like you said. But man, there every scene in this movie is good. Yeah, so Finn has just has just had had intercourse on his waterbed, I believe, or in a closet or somewhere, and he, they're just yes. laying there. And I feel like the Astros are going to make it to the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> so good, and the smile he gives afterwards, like it's almost like he has more joy in that than what he just did. But I, I do have to say this: so the movie took place in 1982, right? I, I believe 80. that's what they eighty. Oh, oh, 1980. Okay, so. I might have to take this back a little bit because I was I think, thinking. I think they did. They made it to the the um, NLCS because that was that back they when they did. only had the NLCS. Okay, so then see that's what happens when you when I because I was thinking 1982 in my head the whole time and I was like that team wasn't very good, but the 1980 Houston Astros they were a good team. That was a team uh, that uh, had do like it wasn't a very good offensive team, but Cesar Cedeno was really good. Um, but you had a pitching staff of Joe Necro, uh, Nolan Ryan, and uh, the the 
Rocket Richard or J.R. Richard. Uh, I always confuse those two. One's a hockey player and one is a, a former pitcher. But like that pitching staff was ridiculous. So I, I do. I owe them an apology because that was realistic. They definitely did have a chance of making the World Series, especially with the playoff format that they had back then. Not not the 24 teams are making the playoffs and round robin, <laughs> whatever system we're going to be playing in going forward. I could go on for that. Half, for yeah, hours. half the league makes the yeah, playoffs. Exactly. There's so a couple quote, other great quotes yeah. that are, uh, that are also attributed to Powell. One of them is very authentic when, um, when Jake it's after it's in the parking lot outside of the sound machine after Niles has gone crazy. And Jake asks, uh, Finn about, you know, it's, it's crazy. They're defending this guy. And when he says the thing about it, like it's tribal, like yes. it's how you bond. You, you yes. defend your stupid teammates. It's something you do. And then he's got the one at the art party, which is also very realistic. Have you noticed whenever we're around baseball, all yeah. we talk about is pussy. Now we're actually around a few potentially interesting young women. And all you talk about is baseball. It's a little fucked up. <laughs> it's a little fucked up. Talking shit like that. You know what? You're a little fucking little jealous asshole crab. Just, Pull me back in the boiling pot. Oh, no, come on. By the way, you know what? Have you noticed? Whenever we're around baseball, all we talk about is pussy. Now we're actually around a few potentially interesting young women. All you talk about is baseball. It's a little fucked up. <laughs> and what I love too is that like it's a great quote. He, he's landed the point, but all they can do is make fun of that. His voice went up when, and that's to me, that's the only really time that you see like i said every character has a moment of being an asshole and every character has a moment uh, of being the good dude that's really the only time that you see jake be an asshole because like he completely ruins his his rap with that girl and it's just to be a jerk uh and uh to put him i guess in his place right now um that's uh, up there my favorite quote is actually towards the end and it's about sisyphus and it's so good. And I, I pulled it up is that they're talking about how, if you don't know the story of Sisyphus, it, it's the Greek mythology of Sisyphus being uh, forced to push the rock up and uh, Beverly played by, and we probably haven't talked enough about how good Zoe Deutsch is. No, in, well, in yeah, we're going to have to give her some due. She's fantastic and super relatable and beautiful and um, charming as all heck. And just a supremely talented actress but uh they jake says the gods intended sisyphus to suffer right and jake says well my point was that they actually blessed him with something to focus on something that he could potentially find meaning in it's a gift to be striving at all even if it looks futile to others i mean yeah it's ridiculous to roll a boulder up a mountain over and over again but so is everything else in life i mean come the fuck on how good of writing is that that is like if Aaron Sorkin would have made that into a, first of all, it would have been a 15 minute thing where they walked around a, a room a few times while he was doing the quote. And it would have been delivered rapidly. It would have been delivered very, very rapidly. Um, but this it's perfectly, and it's also beautifully shot. Like the cinematography of this movie doesn't probably get enough credit either. Like there are some absolutely um, for, even for a movie that doesn't feature a, a ton of like different, widescreen panoramic stuff like this this movie probably didn't cost a ton to make because of the the actors uh involved not being stars and also because it's all kind of in the same shots but it, it's beautifully lit of, of course it is it's richard flip and link later but that quote is so good and so 
like maybe the, you could say, boy, that's that's pretty heavy for a high school freshman, but it is just like it's true. I mean, it is so existential and it is so brilliantly laid out. I do think also I, it's kind of worth pointing out that um, Blake Jenner has had some allegations against him that are pretty horrific, and I think I I do want to point that out, but I do I will have to say that he is very very good in this movie and he's been good in other stuff, but that doesn't, um, that obviously doesn't mean more than the stuff that's come out, uh, recently. I won't bring it up. You can Google it. It's not good, but, um, I you know, I quote. was wondering why he hadn't been in more and, uh, that, um, I guess that answers it. That really does. Yeah. That is, it's, that uh, is not, that is not what you want. We're going to have to focus our good energy on Glenn Powell. Let's take a quick ad break and then get back with most and least authentic. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So most and least authentic sports-centric parts of this movie. Again, there's only one baseball scene, but baseball kind of permeates the, the entire movie. It's, it's, it's involved in every single scene pretty much. Did you was there something right off the bat that jumps out as this is the most authentic baseball part of this movie? So the, to me, the most authentic baseball parts of the movie are really everything leading up to it. Like the, like a, a buddy of mine sent me a, a message when I said I was coming on and that we were talking about how there's only um, the one baseball scene, but it's always about baseball. It's always about baseball players. So that's the most authentic thing to me. But everything's realistic. like that's that is how. You would stretch before games. You would have those moments of, especially in an event like this where the coach isn't going to be around, it would be a little bit more. I mean, there would be like, yes, I'm organizing this, I'm organizing this, but it, it would be less formal. Does that make sense? Um, mm-hmm. It would be like everything, everything there feels good. And like I said, some of these pitching motions and getting a pitching motion right in sports is very, very difficult because – it's very unless unless you have absolutely no idea what to look for, you'll notice things that just like oh well, if he threw that, it would be going either thirty-seven miles per hour or it would be going straight into the ground. Um, I think they did a fantastic job with all of that. The swings look good. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of authentic baseball thing. But again, to me, it's more about that. It's it's more believable about baseball players, and there just happens to be run really good scene of baseball as well. Yeah, I got broad with mine. I just said team chemistry. It felt yeah. like it felt like a real baseball team. It felt like a group of guys where half of them knew each other, some of them were new. They came together and had to spend a weekend together. It felt like it felt 
it was a real team. Felt exactly yeah. like a real team. If you go on a lot of these guys' Instagrams, like even even Glenn Powell, who is who has gotten considerably more famous since this movie yes, came out, this sure. group seemed very tight. Yeah, uh, and and that that comes through. Yeah, I I have one thing about that which kind of transitions into my least authentic part, but it's a part that this movie. You can't have this movie unless you fib on this a little bit. The freshmen are way too comfortable way too quickly. Yeah, that's a good You point. spend your first few weekends as a freshman on a team terrified. And yeah. Jake is there talking back to the seniors and asking them these these introspective questions. And he is – it. it the way the team is in a lot of ways, or at least the, the comfort of the freshmen is much more similar to like, they would have had a couple months together, but you can't have this movie. If Jake and Tyrone are terrified all weekend. That's a great point. Yeah. That, that would be probably one of the most realistic in terms of what we're talking about with the baseball chemistry that. Yeah. And also I think even in 1980, not 82, <laughs> I keep thinking 82, but it is the 1980. Um, these guys would have, I think, known each other a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they they just introduce each other. I'm not saying that they would have been best friends, but it doesn't seem like any of the freshmen know each other at all. And you would think maybe some recruiting trips would have meant that they would have met each other a couple of times maybe or they'd be familiar. Like if he's second team All-State Texas – there's got to be one of those freshmen who were right around that placement as well. You know what I mean? Like okay. he would have probably. We though, we need to talk because I think the I had really two things released authentic. We need okay. to talk about coach's recruiting class. Okay. He brings uh, in four guys or six guys, excuse yeah. me, he brings in six guys, four <laughs> of them. He, he only brings in four freshmen. And realistically, unless you're bringing in a Kumar rocker or a Jack lighter, you're a lot of times you're not bringing in a freshman expecting them to plug a hole. That's a good point. And two transfers. And he said taking a chance. And we don't know it when he says it, taking a chance. He is literally taking a chance about Willoughby <laughs> because he doesn't know anything about him it's at so, all. He only brings so in six weird. kids. And he, I mean, just literally knows nothing about Willoughby. Like, how are you taking a chance? You're a national <laughs> program. You're just going to take a flyer on fucking D.B. Cooper? That... <laughs> That's that's a great point. Again, not something I really thought of, but that's a hundred percent accurate. Like, how does he know about? Like, did he just like watch Willoughby like throw a, a bullpen session at uh, at like a um, Purple Haze concert or something like that? Or did he? Uh, did he? Uh, there must have been something that would have uh, brought him in. But yeah, that's a good point. So I will say the most unrealistic thing in the entire movie, and it's a cool scene and it's a cool shot. It's the accident, the baseball. And it's it a very is, cool shot. It's a very cool shot. And it's a, he has a beautiful swing, but no way in hell. Absolutely. No way in hell is that happening. First of all, if he was going to do it, he would have to be swinging so flipping hard to cut through that thing and then to cut it right in the flipping middle. Come on. I mean, come on. That, that, that's the one time in this movie that actually made me go, Oh, okay. Cause there's lots of stuff in this movie that doesn't make me do that, which is rare for sports movies. Like 
it's not like Space Jam unrealistic, but it's like, have you done Space Jam on this podcast? I, I actually I think, recently, like a month ago. Oh, that's great. I'm gonna, I'll make sure and listen to that. That's that's uh, that's one that I'll look forward to as well. But that scene to me is probably the the one. And don't get me wrong, it, it's an important scene too because it really tells you just how freaking good this guy is, how much better he is than every other player on the team because he can do something like that. There's just no way in hell that would ever happen. And one thing too, because it happens like either right before or right after, the most athletic thing we see in that movie is Plummer throws an alley-oop to uh, Dale. It's, It's actually not when they're playing basketball outside, but when they're playing inside, and he catches it and does like a sidearm dunk. I wonder how much the like film they did of that stuff because it's really impressive. Like it's a perfect pass, but you can see Dale has a ton of athleticism as well because he catches it perfectly in air and does something that would get nines and tens in like a slam dunk thing. That is honestly, I think, the most athletic thing we see in the movie, and that's not an insult to the other stuff we see in the movie, but that was really impressive. Do you remember that scene? Oh yeah. Yeah. When they're, yeah. yeah the indoor basketball. I mean, the thing about yes. Hawkland cutting the baseball in half, the actual, the actual action of it is unrealistic that him trying to do it or dumb bets on stuff like that. Very realistic. Super realistic. Guys would be doing One. that all the time, all the time. 10 bucks. 10 bucks. Best out of the three. So I gotta get two. Yeah, Mac. Right. Two. Okay. You feel like losing 10 bucks? You're just excited to hit off me for once, huh? Oh, man. I mean, it, this is going to be fun. This is going to be very fun, Nevi. Come on. Come on, Mr. Axe. Strong man. <sighs> Anytime. And you know what? We haven't talked about Nesbitt a little, very much in this. Oh, he's I, terrific. I've got some Nesbitt takes. He is, okay, he's great. one of my favorites. He's one of my favorites. He let's, is... get into, let's get into what worked about this one. Okay. Uh, stuff we haven't talked about yet that were do you wanna do you wanna take the floor about Glenn Powell and just like what what he is in this I mean it's I mean it's easy to say this in hindsight, but even when you watch this movie, it's like okay, he's doing something else after this. He's going to he is gonna reach heights. So there used to be this uh online review show that I used to watch called What the Flick. Have you ever heard of that? I have um, not it heard was, of that. I'll say, so it was um, Alonzo Duralde from uh, The Wrap, I believe he was at at the time, Uh, Christy Lemaire, and uh, uh, Ben Mankiewicz uh, from uh, everything, like TMC, the grandson of one of the greatest screenwriters of all time. But it was those three, and it was, yeah, yeah, (laughs) there you go. Um, Then it was... Um, through, uh, do you remember the young Turks on YouTube that uh, it was, it was done through those guys and they did, um, they did movie reviews and I loved watching it. And every once in a while they'd have Matt Atchity on as well. And he later became more of a featured person, but, um, he was the, uh, at the time he was basically the editor in chief of Rotten Tomatoes. So it was really good collection of movie fans. And I remember watching this one and being super excited because, I was like, what are they going to say about Glenn Powell? Because, boy, that performance. And they basically, in a 10-minute review, spent eight minutes talking about him. Because he is so, like, there are lots of, this movie could have been good without Glenn Powell. But it it isn't this movie. And I can't imagine anyone else playing this character. I just can't. He is so, I mean, he delivers such great, witty dialogue 
in such a believable way and in such a charming way. Like I, I, I basically fell in love with that character. Like I wanted to be that guy's best friend. It would be, I, I could see where there would be times where it would get a little annoying while he's saying stuff like, instead of saying, um, the people who did this dumb thing, he says, perpetrated such a folly when he's filling up the water, uh, filling up the waterbed, like that type of stuff. But it's it's delivered so well. And I've seen Glenn Powell in other stuff. He's terrific in Hidden Figures. He is terrific in. Uh, I just forgot. Set With it up. Zo- he's Zoe t- Deutsch. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Uh, a and I'm very curious to see. He basically talked himself into this new Top Gun movie. I'm very curious to see what that character is going to be like because it's not hard to imagine him in a Top Gun type movie at all. I mean, like if you have to give an MVP for this movie, and I, I think you have to, easy, like unanimous. Uh, yeah, walks away the, with it. The Mike Trout of, uh, and, and luckily we don't have. Uh, geography in a way or some weird thing where we can't give Mike Trout the award. He's just really, really, really good. Well, he's the most important member of the team in the movie. He is the linchpin. When Jake wants to go to the weird rock concert, he asks Finn. Every team has a Finn. He is like the social chair. He is the guy. When we have our alumni weekend, every single January, besides this past January, thanks COVID, when we have our alumni weekend, it is, what are we doing tonight? And someone says, I don't know, ask Drew. Drew has been our, <laughs> Drew has been our Finn for over 10 years now. Sure. He is that guy. He is the, he is the go-to. He's not the best player. He is not, I mean, he's, I bet Finn is quality. I bet he's a good sure. player, he, but he's honest about himself too. Right. But he, guys go to him for wisdom. They go to him for direction. He decide at the end of the day, he decides what the team is doing, and that is the most important role in the team. He he sets the stage for whatever is going on at night, that day, at practice. He's that guy, and Powell is that guy, and Powell embodies that. It is a perfect performance. And again, if he's not in this movie, we're probably like, this is Wyatt Russell's movie pretty easy. Like he steals the show yeah. in it. But Powell is there every step of the way to say this is my movie but he's also not even trying to say this is my movie it's so casual in how he does it yeah it's 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 effortless like it and who knows if it was truly effortless like because you know um you don't know but he makes it look so easy and it's a it's a role that could be um in in a bad movie with a bad screenplay and with a bad director and a bad actor or one of four you could have all three and are three of those four and just one fall out. And, and that performance becomes annoying and hackneyed and something that you don't want to see on the screen. Like it's, um, you know, you know, the Simpsons when Homer is saying that uh, one of the lines should be whenever Poochie isn't on the screen, the character should be saying, where's Poochie. <laughs> that's, that's to me. It's like, where, where did he go? Where, where, where is, uh, where did he go? Why, why hasn't he talked in a little bit? And it's, it's rare because he does have a lot of dialogue in this movie, but it's so well delivered. It, it's, it's a really impressive performance and, uh, it, it would not shock me at all. If I could make, uh, in the office when Kevin Betts, uh, a bunch of money on John Cougar Mellencamp to win a future Oscar. <laughs> I would, I would be willing to make a similar bet, but I wouldn't get nearly as good of odds for, for Glenn Powell, because I, I would bet you if he's not a winning 
some type of big award, he's going to be nominated for it. He's really good. Yeah, I feel like he's either he's got that kind of potential, like that Oscar. It's kind of where he wants to take his career because he could also be Chris Evans. Sure. Pretty yeah, easy. absolutely. Yeah, I like I would if I was like in the MCU or the the DCEU or whatever the hell he calls like they, they've got uh, they've already got Wyatt Russell. I'd be looking to add Glenn Powell ASAP because I also think he would make a terrific villain. Like I oh, could yeah. see him being like an excellent folly to uh, to one of these superheroes. Uh, also, I think it's worth pointing out he kind of looks like Jeff Kent. Yes, <laughs> yes, he does, especially <laughs> in this movie with the mustache. Yeah, but with the, with the Evan, he could be he could headline some sort of MCU movie or whatever. But he could have also yeah. been Chris Evans in Knives Out and done a really yeah. really good job. Oh my gosh, yeah. Too bad that like you should find find a way to like include that. <laughs> And I will happily come talk. Oh, I do. I do a non. I do a non-sports movie usually once a month, and I watched Knives Out last week. So let's roll. Oh, it's so good, man! Did you see how much money they're spending uh, Netflix for the next two? I don't know, but it's not enough. Four hundred fifty million dollars, and it's still not enough. I would, would you watch. not watch? A, would you not watch just a Benoit Blanc series? Oh God! Uh, I mean, I don't know if I I wouldn't be able to record this podcast. I don't because I don't think I would be able to stop watching it. No one's I mean, no one's had more fun on on film than Daniel Craig, either in Knives Out or Logan Lucky. Daniel I, Craig loves playing a deep southerner. I love Logan Lucky. I love Keith Logan and Lucky I, too. Keith and Keith and I love that movie as well. Um, talking about it, I think uh, I always struggle pronouncing her. Riley Keough is that how you say it or Keough? Whatever the 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 I'm woman from for being bad at names. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, she's terrific, and uh, she's also actually good. I don't like horror movies, but she's in one that can't remember the name. If you're listening to this, just look on IMDb. But it's about where she's locked with uh, with two kids, and it's basically an allegory for purgatory. But it is super good. Um, but what the heck were we? T- oh. We're talking about Glenn Powell. Yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> the career what, arc of Glenn Powell. I, I'm so sorry for this uh, Dennis Miller type tangent <laughs> to go into the other thing. But I will say, uh, talking about re- uh, talking about Knives Out, the most excited on Twitter I've ever seen to see someone like one of my teats tweets. Excuse me. No, no one's no one's liked my teats. Um, <laughs> but uh, the most excited was that I had a tweet about the Dodgers and he liked it. And I just about screamed because – uh, Knives Out is one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years, and I actually adored Episode 8, and I think anybody who didn't like Episode 8 is stupid. <laughs> Ryan Johnson is – he's a treasure. He's, he's, he's a freaking treasure, man. That to, 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 not, to not realize that that guy is the driving force instead of, J.J., I have zero original ideas. Maybe we can put a smoke monster in this movie, Abrams – is asinine to me. And I've liked a couple of JJ Abrams movie, but like it's it, they're, they're not even close in terms of talent to me. I enjoyed the first star Trek, but uh, yeah, I did too, but it was a remake. Well, speaking of good directors, link later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what link, well, so link later nails the Powell casting. He's got his linchpin, but then he gets all the baseball team intricacies, which are what makes this movie work so well. Like we said, we've got the, he's got the two weirdos, uh, Jay Niles and Buter Perkins, 
In college, we had a kid that we just named Dusty Big Spring. I don't even remember what his name is. We just called him Dusty Big Spring. That was our that was our buter. Uh, oh, you've got the hyper competitive guy in in Hockland and pretty much everyone else. Uh, the freshman kind of dumb tryhard is Tyrone. Uh, the friendly aloof dumbass, which is Brumley, the catcher with the bad mustache, which is also me as a freshman. Like that kid was me. To a T. Um, the steady older guy who tells it like it is and Dale, it's just it's great. It, it he nails he nails everything. He even gets the girl right with Zoe Zoe Deutsch. It's it's perfect. He, they do, like we said though earlier, they keep the ultimate chemistry couple apart in Powell and Deutsch, and then we get them together and set it up. But I'm not <laughs> sure I'm not sure we could have had those two on screen at the same time in this movie. I don't I, I think Jake would have naturally been pushed out. <laughs> it it's I mean, it is just perfectly cast. And I, I think uh, just Deutsch is so believable as that. So you've heard that terrible term, Manic Pixie Dream Girl. She is not the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. She is certainly a free spirit. She is certainly um, uh, aesthetically pleasing. She is certainly a character that um, is not maybe necessarily your atypical um a female lead into a movie, but she is, she just brings such a presence. And you can tell, like, if you didn't know, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording, she is the daughter of Leah Thompson. And while they don't have an exact look, it's once you know that fact, you can't forget it. And you can tell that um, there's some, some good genetics going on there that not only uh, because she's, she's a beautiful woman, but also because, um, they both have such a presence. Like she, Leah Thompson is so good in Back to the Future, and uh, those movies are are so fun still to watch, even if the premise is kind of creepy in two thousand twenty one. Yes, that's a, that's a very odd thing to think about being made nowadays. But uh, but she's so good, and I'm uh, I've seen her in uh, some other stuff. I've seen her in a a very very bad movie called Why Him with. Uh, James oh, Franco, God, that yeah. is, that yeah. is just, it's just really, really didn't work at all. You but see even stuff in, like that, and you, you wonder, like, did Brian Cranston not make enough for Breaking Bad? <laughs> which, which Brian Cranston can be really funny, but that's just that's sure. Like, that's yeah, that, that's not what you want. But she's she's wonderful in this. She's wonderful yeah. to set it up. Um, she's yeah. good in the Politician season one. Right. The the other thing that just works great about that. I, and I think just kind of the main theme and the, the way to connect it with days and confused is just a perfect time capsule. You, you feel the air, even if you didn't live in the era, you feel yeah. the soundtrack slaps. It's just, if you can have a movie that makes you nostalgic for an era that you have no nostalgia for, you didn't live in. It's a, right. it's a success. Yeah. I mean, I totally watching that movie. I, I felt like I'll, I'll say this. There's, there's this YouTuber named Dunkey who, um, he does these video game reviews and he makes fun of um, IGN because they, anytime there's like a review of like a, uh, a movie video game, they'll say it made you feel like Spider-Man or it made you feel like, like every review starts like that. Even if they give this movie a poor score, it always seems to be, but like, I actually felt like I was in 1980 watching that movie. And I think I have to give them credit too. Like sometimes movies like this will cheap out on the soundtrack. They go all out in this. Oh, like Link Later's Link Later's not going to cheap out on this. No, that, that's that's a great point. Like he is going to. I mean, that's he's probably willing to trade down actors to make sure that he can get the right songs for this movie. 
and soundtrack is important to me in movies. Like there have been a lot of movies that I have seen that are, you know, well-made and pretty well acted. But if you go with the obvious boring song or the most cliche song, a movie that did that to me actually, uh, and I just forgot the name of it. It's uh, that sucks. It's the Todd Phillips movie with uh, uh, Jonah Hill and Miles Teller, where they that are. That is War uh, Dogs. War Dogs. Yeah, that movie has every single song you could predict is going to be played, and not in a good way. Like this movie, like the music is super, especially that Pink Floyd scene um, and him talking about the progression. That is such a terrific scene, but. It's not necessarily every obvious hit from that time, but they are certainly like, we want the funk. You could see that those kids would be singing along to that song. You know what I mean? Like you could picture uh, that everybody would be getting on the dance floor when uh, a few of these songs come on and how important Pink Floyd would be to a character like Willoughby. Uh, Just an absolute home run of a soundtrack. It's interesting to think about what Willoughby is doing in, in like... 20 years Um, yeah i want to get into what didn't work and i want you to have the floor because uh for anyone who's who's listening who's still listening uh you'll know that in the beginning of the episode i put the trailer in typically i have not actually seen the trailer uh beforehand chris you have yeah a fan no it's it's probably the worst trailer i've seen not including like like you'll see some some b-movie shit that those don't count for a movie that was directed by Richard Linklater. And you've got to remember too, he's coming off of boyhood, like as hot as he's ever. And and it's not to say that nobody's heard of him, but like as hot as he's ever going to be, they tried to sell this movie. Like it was an American pie sex comedy. And that's one of the reasons we, we were talking about with the sex scene. It almost seems like that's what they were trying to do. Like they were trying to make this marketed as a, a sex comedy rather than, what it really was is that they ended up using those in the later taglines, the um, the spiritual successor to Dazed and Confused. This trailer is really bad, and I'm going to have to DM you after you watch the trailer to put it together, Kyle, because it's like it doesn't work at all. It tries to set up as this – can't think of the right word, but this just outward comedy, not a, a dramedy-type situation, which this, I think, would technically get that uh, – get that designation it's really really poor i mean the thing is it'd be one thing if it was not the spiritual sequel but they literally had the template like i i don't understand why they didn't just lean hey you liked you everyone like dazed and confused guess what here's a movie that's like that you'll all like yes i don't i don't really get it there's not really anything else in this movie itself though that doesn't work i've already talked about the the assimilation of the freshman is is unrealistic, but the, it, it has to be necessary so for the movie to work. Yeah, um, you know, I talked about the recruiting class. That's questionable. Don't really know what what coach was doing on the the summer recruiting trail. Don't think he was hitting the show. <laughs> I don't think he was hitting the showcase circuit very hard. I don't think he was calling scouts. Really tough look from him. Um, yeah. I will say, Jake says your guys's instead of y'all. And uh, he, out, he outs himself as not a Texas baseball player. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't pick up on that one, but I could see how that would be. I'm just trying to think of other things in this movie that didn't work. I suppose the the competition scene might have been a little long too, like just because they go from, um, and it, it's important that they go from playing outdoors and competing against each other to 
going to uh, that scene where they're in the arcade competing against each other. And it just, it, it may have hit me over the head just a little too hard if I'm, and that's me nitpicking because they're terrific scenes. Like, uh, and that's a, a, just going back to something that works. This really movie is a collection of scenes, but not in a bad way. There are some movies that are, especially comedies lately, where it's a bunch of improv and it's just a bunch of collection of scenes. It may make you laugh, but it's not a good movie. These scenes actually work together. I, I would say the only thing that really doesn't work in this movie is that I can't watch it for, <laughs> I can't have another two hours of footage. I, I just really love this movie. Yeah, I mean, it flows perfectly. There's nothing There's nothing that you would trim. It's almost you wouldn't, you know, it's like, would we, I would love to watch these guys every single weekend. Like, show me, you know, right. show me the, show me their Halloween weekend. I, I'm dialed yeah. in. Yeah, um, absolutely. The Kevin Costner and Freddie Prince Jr. Awards for Best and Worst On-Screen Athlete. We've kind of gone over a lot of this, and th- there's the obvious answers of like, Hawkland started for UC Irvine. I, I at least think he was a he was a platoon guy. Like he he played great swing. Right. He should probably be in every baseball movie until he's seventy because the personality carries too. Uh, Justin Street he threw fifty one pro innings conveniently for the for the A's, the team that was employing his brother at the time. Topped out a short season, but he still played. You know, he still played pro ball. It's there. Uh, Jenner's right. double can throw. No, no one looks terrible. I, no. I think I think that's a win. No one looks. No one pulls from the movie. There's no Freddie Prince Jr. There's no one that stands out as like there. There's not a there's not a Wesley Snipes with a with a terrible swing. I would say that I would say that the one thing I think is I do think that this movie maybe made a concerted effort to not have Ryan Guzman do too much uh, yes, on the baseball yeah. field. You so, barely see him. Yeah, absolutely. So so that would maybe be and, and I'll. I kind of crapped on Guzman earlier because he's in one of the worst movies I've ever seen in the boy next door. And, uh, one of the most unrealistic things I've ever seen is the, the first edition of that book. If you haven't Google it, it is the most unbelievable thing you'll ever see in your entire life. But he's, he's totally fine in this movie and a very believable, uh, best friend for the, for the best player on the team. But, uh, that would be my one, just because we didn't really see him do much on the baseball field. Yeah, I mean they they hide most everyone they need to hide with quick cuts. Um, no, right. no movie's going to meet the gold standard of Little Big League and great. Right. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know when the last time you saw Little Big League was, but not too long ago. The baseball action is fantastic because um, it's, it's really most good. of the cast most of the cast played. Right, um, and uh, I will say the only thing about uh, Little Big League is. They made the Mariners the bad guys, which wasn't very nice to to the guy who has lived in Seattle for most of his life. And also, what the hell, Dave Madigan, what did he do to the producer of that movie? Every bad thing happens to Dave Madigan. That's it's true. It's so weird. Yeah. The funny thing about that movie is that Lou Collins was Joe Maurer before the twins drafted Joe Maurer. Like, super oh, nice yeah. guy you'd want to to marry your mom who yeah. uh, with a sweet sure. with a sweet lefty swing um okay the lenny harris pinch hitter award for best wait 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 one, oh, one, one i i do i'm sorry i do have to tell you one thing that's about uh little big league and i'm sorry um the mom in little big league oh, yeah. is pete the mom armstrong of pete crow armstrong who was the first round pick of the mets i just had to throw that in there because I find that fact fascinating. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Sorry about um, that. I mean, Pete Crow Armstrong was Billy Haywood. 
Uh, the Lenny yeah. Harris pinch hitter award for best supporting character. So before oh. we pick this, we need to we need to make some determinations. Okay. I consider everyone who is not uh, Jake Jenner or Powell a supporting character, or Hocklin. Okay. Hocklin more okay. so because of what he represents on the team. Right. And Powell is oh. too Powell is too good. Th- this this question is too easy if Powell is included, but also it might still be too easy. Cause like my nominees, Wyatt Russell's Willoughby, uh, Austin Melio is Nesbitt, which, okay, we, j- we just need to throw him some credit. Like you said, haven't really seen him anything else. Every team needs the zany wild card. You, yes. that guy, he might be the most authentic person in the movie. He is out of his mind. He also has cocaine energy. <laughs> yes, he does. And, uh, the perfect, like left-handed weirdo. Like yes, there's, yeah, the uh, there left-handedness is that, of it is, he, is he, there. Had to be left-handed. That is that was super super important, and uh, the fact that he's also a submarine pitcher is just chef's kiss perfect. Um, Justin Street also nominated. Uh, Jay Niles, Zoe Deutsch. She's like you said, she's great. Very quality performer. She's likable, uh, and then she gets to shine and set it up. And then Jay Quinton Johnson as Dale. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's so good, and I believe he went on to go. Uh, on the Broadway cast of Hamilton, which is, uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause that's, that's, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. He's super talented dude. Um, in the credits, you can tell that he definitely has some more musical talents than some other people in that. Um, it's, it's tough for me. I, I really almost want to say Tyrone Plummer because Ooh. he is so believable in that role. And, and, that perfect combination of stupid and also that you'd want to hang out with. Cause there's a lot of stupid people in this world that I don't want to hang out with, but he's that type of dude that like everybody on the team would want to be friends with and everybody would be, uh, because you, you want to not only be friends, you want to make fun of him because you know, he's going to do something incredibly stupid. You just know something stupid is on his way. And he's something a lot of the movie. Like he has um, the part where like where he's just walking around that party and lets the cat out. And also that he ends up hooking up with the dominatrix at the end of the movie. I mean, he'd be really up there, but I got to go with it. I got to go with Quentin Johnson. I mean, he is so good and delivers to me the two most important dialogues in the movie in a movie that is very dialogue heavy. So I got to go with him. He's probably my runner up. Uh, for me, it's Wyatt Russell. Uh, That's totally fair. We haven't yet talked about the first party scene where he's walked in on by Tyrone and he's oh doing the gosh. naked visuals with the cowboy hat about throwing <laughs> yeah. strikes, which is yes. incredible. Oh, it's so good. And then once again, that is another scene that is set up by Tyrone just wandering around, just looking to see what he can do. Oh, except he has a girl with him in that in that portion. But yeah, he's really good and um, delivers some unbelievably good dialogue. Um, he does have like I was talking about. I was trying to think at first, like what was his asshole moment? It is when. Uh, Jake is trying to tell him where he's from. And he's like, Hey man, listen, do you get high? <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't want anything to do with his story. He's like, Hey, you know, you, do you smoke weed? Let's, let's go do that. I that, also um, love when he's playing the foosball game with Hawkland and Hawkland, the two 
opposite personalities in McReynolds yes. and Willoughby. And yes. Hawkins getting all pissed, and then Willoughby says the thing about, no, so I'm not having fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's such a good scene. And I want that shirt he has, too. It's, it's like Fishing Expert or something like that. That is a really, really cool shirt. Um, I want the, that whole clo- vibe down to the beard. Oh. Dude, I, I I would absolutely love hanging out with that type of person. Like you, the, just the amount of stories that you could have from somebody like that. Like I absolutely think that's a fair call, and um, he's the most mythical character. That's for sure, too. Like I, uh, like that would be you know, um, Linklater is doing another twenty year movie right now, actually with Jenner and. Uh, Jonah Hill's sister, Beanie Fieldstein, where oh, they're where they're doing Merrily We Roll Along, um, or they're doing another 20-year thing about um like the boy uh, the boyhood model? Exactly like the boyhood model, where they're doing something like that. I'd like the 20-year version of Willoughby. If we can oh. somehow get that started right now, I will donate to Kickstarter or GoFundMe or whatever I need to do. Because I'd love to see what 58-year-old Willoughby is up to. Oh, it would kill for it. Um, okay, yeah. so the next category in a lot of sports movies is my favorite category, The Big Chill, which is like the yeah. Roy Hobbs knocking out the lights movie. I don't think this movie has that. No, the closest thing you have, I guess, would be if you got really into the axe cutting thing, I guess, where that he cuts the the baseball in half, but it just doesn't, it doesn't say it would be a mistake for this movie to have something like that. Uh, it would be a mistake to have Jake and, and Beverly's kiss be that type of moment. It would be a mistake to have Jake striking out McReynolds be that moment. It would be, it wouldn't be in the theme for that movie. So while I like a big chill moment as much as anybody like angels on the outfield, not a great movie, but when, when, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, does the fake angel thing. I mean, I I get that moment. Like, that that is a fun moment for sports, but it just wouldn't really fit in this movie. No, I get a different kind of chills upon rewatch right at the beginning when he walks into the house because sure. I think about myself like, I can't wait to experience the weekend with these that's, guys. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I totally get that. That's, um, um, that I guess that would be my choice too, is that, that very first where you're, you're getting that chance to relive what Jake is about to go through. And I, like I said, it was such a smart decision to not make Jake the star of the team. I think that is just absolutely perfect writing from a perfect writer. I legit might go watch this movie when we're done podcasting. Uh, how I might would too. you improve this? I would, I, I, I have to, the only thing that I have and it's almost in jest is make it like an hour longer. I just want to spend more yeah. time with these guys, but it's, it is pretty flawless. It really is. I, I really can't think of anything other than what you just said is maybe making the movie a little longer. And um, the, the, the sex scene doesn't bother me. It just it's just seems kind of out of place for the rest of the movie to me. I mean, like, it's honestly kind of realistic to have that many guys on a team actually have success, too. Usually it's like one guy and you're all like, oh, yeah. man, did you hear your Finnegan hooked up last night? Yeah. Like, not me, buddy. <laughs> That's uh, that is uh, that I that would be like the the tiniest qualm and maybe um, maybe do something about like like the baseball sticking to the ax or something like that. Those are the only, only two things that I can think of that are even worth. Like if, if we're going 2080 scale, I, um, I'm going 80 on this one. 
Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's great. Yeah. There might've been a different way to show McReynolds athletic prowess. I always go back. There was a video when Jameis Winston was in college of, he was walking down the street. He was, it was like, he was at a frat house and they asked him to see if he could throw a football over the frat house. And he threw the football over the frat house. And it was like, (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. He's like, he he's actually like one of the best athletes in the world. That's, that's real. So no question. Something like that. Okay. Last category. And this is difficult because this one's already a sequel, before, more, or restore. Prequel, sequel, or remake. I do, this isn't a remake candidate at all. I don't think no. you touched this. No. So, sequel, like, my first thought was, I'd love to see, you know, a last weekend of college one. But Linklater's movies don't deal, the, the Dazed and Everybody Wants Some don't deal with finality though it's more about like what's next it's an intro yeah. and it's what's next did the end of dazed is right away the you know more pressing matters the aerosmith concert but it's like what's you know what is the senior year gonna look like for randall pink floyd and what's right. high school gonna look like for riley wiley wiggins and this is what is this year gonna look like for these guys so i don't know if a last weekend of college one fits that mold this is tough um and that's a great point too about um there's never really finality. Even a a strict studio movie like School of Rock, there's not finality in that. It's the end of that movie is him opening up the school and, and what's going to happen with those kids. Are they going to become like rock superstars or something like that? Boyhood is literally a movie that took place over a decade and a half. I believe it was either 14 or 15 years. And that movie is about what's on the horizon for that kid. So, yeah. Finality is not that dude's thing. Um, I guess sequel, but I don't. It would have to be another spiritual sequel type mm-hmm. thing. But I, but I would like. I would love to see um, like this version in the '90s. And you know, he's done movies kind of like that. But ah, man, that's really tough. Um, It'd be interesting to see him take on a post grad movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. That would be fantastic, um, especially. In a place like Austin, you know, where we have mm-hmm. a bunch of, for lack of better terms, weirdos that you would just love to see because that, that college world and that real world, I think a lot of people figure out are very, very different places. I would love to see something like that. Ultimately, just because I liked these guys so much, I would not mind a prequel with um, seeing these kids um, – like the year before, like, um, like at the College World Series or something like that, just to like, like three days. Nineteen oh, eighties of... Rosenblatt, sign me the yeah, fuck absolutely. up. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be. I think that would be really, really fun. That the the only option there, you can't remake this movie. It may, no. it may be. Um, if somebody's going to try to make something similar someday, or or whatnot. Um, I, I will say I would love to see a, a series like this. Like, um, oh, yeah, like, sign me up. I think I think if you put something like this on uh, on Netflix or Paramount Plus or something like that, like even if you did, because here's the thing: a few of these guys are not to be disrespectful, aren't famous enough to say no to something like this. No, they. You know if, what I mean? If Linklater calls, they have to answer yeah, and say yes. Like. Glenn like, Powell would be the one that's tough to get. Glenn Powell and I guess Superman now yeah, and okay. and Wyatt Russell. Uh, and Wyatt Russell. But but if you did something kind of like um and you know, this movie actually kind of in a weird way reminded me of this movie, just in a weird, weird way. 
But if you did something like the wet hot American summer thing, oh, where God. you're yes. where you're talking about like the the or even it the execution wasn't great, but the idea I think was good. If you do something like um, Arrested Development, where a couple episodes are just focused on one character. I think that would be something that would be a lot of fun to watch. Like, I want to know one day of what the fuck Coma is doing. You know what I mean? I want to know one day what uh, what uh, it's like for um, for for Willoughby to actually go through. Um, I think falsifying that would be cool. his transcripts. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be so fun to watch. But I would unfortunately, pay a considerable amount. Unfortunately, it's. It's almost disappointing to talk about because it'll just absolutely never happen. Yeah. For his next spiritual sequel, it'd be interesting to see, like, what does the Linklater St. Elmo's Fire look like? Because that's yeah, about the go. same age he'd be. <laughs> yeah. Um, you yeah. Know, that, so, something like that. But Oh, man. that would be terrific. Yeah. But what, what we got, this movie is is damn near perfect. Chris, I am so grateful that you took the time, that you took an hour 45 for me. This was a blast. Tell the folks again where they can follow you on social media, where they can check out your work. So we we almost did the podcast as long as everybody wants them. That's very fun. Um, that has still only been done by the episode on Swingers. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, I could definitely see talking about that movie for a long, long time. So you can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Uh, you can follow my work at NBCSports.com slash Edge. Um, once again, used to be Rota World, new name, same great stuff, same companies owned us. We just have a different name change. Uh, you can follow our podcast, which also has a name change. Uh, used to be the Road World Baseball Con podcast. In the honor of the great Craig Calcaterra, we have changed it to Circling the Bases. Another um, former guest of this podcast. Oh, uh, what did what did Craig do? We covered Long Gone. Have you seen? Long oh, Gone? I have not seen Long Gone. I well, will it's watch only it on YouTube or VHS you buy on eBay. <laughs> Okay, well, I will I will look for that and then listen to the podcast because I don't want to do. I think it's important to keep that uh, that order. Um, but yeah, uh, I host that show on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Um, those are up. You can go to wherever they have podcasts. You can find Circling the Bases. We're actually doing uh, five baseball podcasts uh, every weekday now. We're coming out with a new show, which is really cool and already exhausting me, but it's going to be... <laughs> a lot of fun and uh yeah it's really suggest if you're into anything fantasy baseball if you like prospect coverage if you like anything uh give give our season tools a, a try there i'm biased uh but i don't get any money from saying this um it's really really good stuff with a lot of excellent writers well, Chris, thanks so much for joining the pod. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And also, if you are a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm presented by Baseball America. That comes at you every other Tuesday. Next Tuesday, great interview with former Pirates farmhand and national champion punter with LSU, Zach Von Rosenberg. Really interesting episode there. Episodes of Big Screen Sports come at you every Monday. So we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.